the Sports Commons for the Commercial Appeal host of Giannato and Jeffrey. Haircut, haircut mm. in the build. See, I don't know if Jeffrey would, you know, have, did he make a remark about your hair? I haven't. I just got the haircut like an hour or two ago. I don't know if you've seen him yet. No, yeah. I, well, he's not here. To, he's, okay, gotcha. He had to drive to Nashville for, you know, oh, okay. M.U.S. is playing to in Nashville. Nashville gotcha. Well, I just wanted, yeah. you know, you're, you're, there are at least some colleagues well, up I, here. I pre- Hopefully it's a good haircut. I don't know. That's good. Usually haircuts like the first couple days, it takes a little yeah. bit to, you know. Does, does Lindsay, for example, will she say something about your haircut? Probably, yeah. Okay. She'll say whether it's good or bad. So the flame still burns. Yes. <laughs> yes. I guess so. I, there yeah. you go. I can speak to that. The, the she <laughs> is very much in love with her husband. Oh. I found that out wow. a couple Saturdays ago. Listen, I so it's funny. I found you that told out. you told me this mm-hmm. and I and I told her that you told me that and mm-hmm. she goes, I don't know why he got that impression. What? <laughs> you might have had a yeah, you might have had a bad read. Yeah, or she's a great actress. <laughs> one or the wow. other. Wow. Maybe she was but playing. I appreciate me. it. Yeah, no, okay. yeah, we, uh, it, but uh, it's, uh, no, I had to get it here. I had to fit everything. She's out of town. She's at like a work conference. And so um, mm. I'm in charge of the kids. So I got everything I need to accomplish. I've got to squeeze in between Ooh, like eight, 8 and 4.30 p.m. today. So I've the morning was spent doing a bunch of different things while I don't have the kids on my hands. I admire you, man. That's amazing. Because yeah, I don't get the sense you got much help when you when the when you're in charge of the kids, it's you. Well, like tomorrow, like this is gonna be this is this will be an interesting football game for me, for instance, because tomorrow, because she's out of town still, we got to get a babysitter so I can go to the Boise State game. Um, and so that'll be interesting. Yeah, you know how how that all. I I'm gonna be. I'm fascinated to see the crowd tomorrow because. Usually I get to the game like you know like an hour and a half, two hours yeah, you, in advance, mm-hmm. and it you know especially you know at a Memphis game like you get there that early, it doesn't matter. You drive right in. Um, I don't think I'm gonna be able to leave my house till like two o'clock tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see if I, I I'm I'm hopeful I'll be there by kickoff. I live yeah, like twenty I live like twenty five minutes from the stadium, but like there's gonna be traffic I think going into the stadium a half hour before the game. You're for this one, because right I think there's going to be a de- – I think there'll be, be – Boise I think is, it'll a, be, is a brand name. It will be the big – I don't know if it's going to be, like, one of those crowds, like, during the Norvell era where you're getting 40 – between 40 and 45 in there, like the UCLA game nah. they played back then. But this will be the biggest crowd of the season. I think it'll be, like, low 30s. Yeah, that's uh, what maybe, I'm thinking. Hopefully. I wouldn't – I would at least announce low 30. If you're not cracking 30 for this game, that's a bad sign. Oh, I agree I think that. you need yeah. to crack 30 for this it, it, I don't think that's asking too much, uh, and I think it, it will. I, would, I just wouldn't lose sleep over traffic. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, th- I think you're going to be okay. I think I'll be. You know, I think I'll be there for kickoff. Um, in terms of your uh, expectations for this one, um, you know, it's funny, sort of what the number has done. I don't know. I know you're not necessarily a big uh, sports mm-hmm. betting guy, but the number has sort of it got it opened. Okay, at Boise minus three. It, is, it got bet all the way up to Memphis minus three and a half. It was very – and it quickly changed. Quickly. It quickly. Yes. Like it wasn't like yes. it gradually got yes. flipped over. And yes. so I do wonder, was there like some sort of mistake? Mistake. Right. That's what I've been well, reading. I, 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 we're so far off, I right? I don't think that's it's, it's going to be a mistake. I mean, it, and people look, jumped on it, it could, so quickly. It, we'll find out, right? It could have just been a misprice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is now sort of settled back at two and a half. Three, three at some spots. I do think if it was like a glitch, though, they would have probably come out and said something. Yeah, they, I mean, something you wouldn't have been able to. We made a mistake. You know, but, no, you just sort of put like, for example, um, people don't remember this because they don't care, but I remember this. The same sports book that opened Boise minus three, okay, in this case, 
opened Colorado minus five against Nebraska. And everybody was like, oh, my God, that number's white off. What do you mean? Nebraska, mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not five points better than Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And then they destroyed, and that number got back, it bet back to two or three, Colorado. And, of course, we know what happened. They destroyed Nebraska. Uh, so they are, again, they sort of are, you know, they originate. You know, they don't, they're the market setters. Uh, and everybody mm-hmm. else sort of follows them. So we'll see what happens. Um, but in terms of your own expectations, do you expect yeah. this to be close? Do you expect this to be? It's a high-pressure oh, situation think... for Brian Silverfield, and I kind of think it's going to play out like that. Oh, I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a tense game. I think I think they have a good chance to win. I mean, I don't think Boise – I think Boise's good but not great, and that's what I think I'm hoping – I think Memphis is a good but not great team, and they're at home. And typically we've seen, even with Ryan – when they have these types of games at home, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. Like yep. in these situations, like they've come out on the right end of these much more often than not yeah. over the last, even under Ryan. Like, you know, the True. SMU game, remember he came, they beat SMU, They UCF his first year, yep. Mississippi State right. um, his second year. So, and so he, he's won a couple of these already. And so I, I, I feel good about it. You know, I I came out of the Missouri game, like thinking, okay, like there's reasons why this season could go awry. But I've also seen some things within how they performed against Missouri, where you know what you can talk yourself into. This was the best team they'll play all season, yep. and you know they if they you know maybe cut down on Seth's interceptions a little bit and cut down you know the those big plays you chalk up to maybe being. You know, you're never going to face a receiver like that again this mm-hmm. season. And so you could talk yourself. I came out of it going, okay, I can talk myself into this team being in the AAC championship game. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I'm the same boat. Um, but at the same time, I think – and so in that way, the game isn't – ultimately the two-lane game is more important no matter what because it's a conference game. And if you win right. the two-lane game, no matter what, whether you win tomorrow or not, you're in the driver's seat in the AAC. Um, you might need tomorrow to get the New Year's Six Bowl, though. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a New Year's Six bid if you were to win the AAC um, because of what Fresno's done already. Mm-hmm. They've got two Power Five wins. So, um, but I don't think if you're Ryan Silverfield and you're this program and you're trying to build momentum and we're talking about the crowd, you don't want to go 13 days on a two-game losing streak where the narrative is going to be, they lost to the two decent two decent teams they played. Like you don't want that narrative for 13 days. Even though the reality is you've got this two lane game ahead of you and that's more important than tomorrow. But uh, you know, just if we're talking momentum the program, you know, like ultimately uh, these are the types of games you need to win to get momentum. At home, you're going to have again your biggest crowd of the year probably. You know, you need to give them something to be excited about and then yeah, that's a win, it, and so it's not like a do or die type of game. But ultimately, if you're someone who is trying to is thinking in your head, okay, let's make the best of the Ryan Silverfield situation. These are the types of games you got to win. Yes, you know, no like like ultimately, if you want this to work, mm-hmm. you have to win this. Ga- you have to win these types of games consistently. And uh, I think they have a good chance in this one, though. It'll be, um, I think, you know, like. This is a moment we've seen in the big games they've won over the years. I was going back and looking at this, whether it's like that UCLA game or uh, the UCF game the first year under Ryan or 
Um, everything but the Mississippi State game, and I guess you could put the Ole Miss win from 2019 in this boat too. But like when they've gotten big wins, it's a lot of times come with big performances by the quarterback. Like that's typically what happens in these types. Like I know Matt Barnes went up there this week and like was trying to take all the blame for the Missouri loss. And I was just thinking as I was standing there, and I was just like, you know, like we for Memphis to be successful. They're gonna need to. They need to have an offense that's capable of scoring 40, 40 or more oh, points, and certainly on a, not on a, turning the ball over. You know, and like that—that's that, what we've seen yeah. is the formula that yeah. works here. You know, like it works in this league and works against you know with the type of players you get. Like, and maybe that's asking for too much. Like they're top. They're they're number thirty-nine in total offense right now, which is exactly the same where they finished last year, which was, you know, the lowest offensive finish for them in you know since the beginning of the Fuente era and the best years involve you know maybe it's unrealistic to expect this the best years of Memphis football have always have included like a top 10 offense Mm -hmm. you know like top 15 offense I think that's just the the formula that works within the the confines of what you work with at Memphis um and and I just came away from that game against Missouri going they lost that game in the second quarter because the offense couldn't do anything. They were like they were took they survived like the first punch from Missouri and were up 10-7 and then got outgained like 170 or 164 to 28 in the second quarter because the offense couldn't get going and you know um second half it felt like when they went to more tempo they had more success but it just I don't know maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a football coach, but I came away from that game going, man, if they could have gotten a little more offense. But some people might look at it and go, man, if they could have gotten some more stops in the fourth quarter. But man, those, those folks uh, you were mentioning Barnes and taking the mm-hmm. heat, they 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 got off the field. Missouri was zero of eight yes. on third down. They, they like, get, what what else do you want against an SEC caliber opponent? Like they're they're bigger, more physical. They're going to put up yards if you can get off the field on third down. You're doing a pretty good job as a defense. They gave up nine plays that totaled like 380 yards. Mm-hmm. Like not like 380 of Missouri's came all on came all on these, these big plays. plays. If you take like so and like the way you look at it is that that's a lot of big plays. But it also means on, like, I think it was, like, the 52 other snaps exactly. Missouri took, they averaged, like, three yards a play. Um, and, so, and, and like you said, you probably won't face another a team as good as them, possibly. Quite possibly. You're not going to face – I doubt – I don't think there's a receiver that is Certainly as good not. as that yeah. Luther Bowl. Right. That, that He's guy. going to the league. Yes. Right. Um, so uh, this will be a different challenge, though. Boise State's best player is their running back. Yeah. Um, it, you have to stop. If you do not stop the run against Boise State, you will probably not win the game. Well, Navy hit them early, and then Missouri hit them late with the mm-hmm. run. Yep. So it's been different times where teams have been effective with the so, run. So uh, just a little intel, just a little alpha for you guys. The Boise State quarterback is from Texas, and uh, and he said in his press conference earlier this week that he's going to have a lot of family here for this game. Mm. So he's going to have a little extra motivation. Well, we, gotta, we have the better Texas quarterback, do we not? Well, we're gonna this find guy out. Doesn't, I hope so. This they guy, apparently Seth and this quarterback work out in the summer together. Mm-hmm. Um, who's this the, is who's the better Texas quarterback? Yeah, this yes. that's that's part of this. Right. And then I said this on our show. So this is a weird connection. The Boise State offensive coordinator, his name is Bush Hamden. Cool. He grew up around me, and he was like the. I don't know if you had a kid like this growing up. He was like the kid. He left like halfway through middle school, but like from like third to seventh grade. 
I was never on his team. He went to like a different elementary school, but he was like the third to seventh grader who everyone knew because he was like the best athlete in every sport. Like, you know, basketball, we went up against him in the championship game and like this is their OC. This is their offensive coordinator. He eventually became a he played quarterback for Boise State. He was like a backup to yeah. Kellen Moore. Um and now he's become a coach. But he is Boise State's offensive coordinator. I have not seen him probably since fifth or sixth grade or talked to him. But I still re- I remember him. Oh, a personal connection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm and he, well, Do you think y'all will visit before the game? You should. I might if I have if time. You, if, if you have time, if and I he track has him time. down. I yes. know. I know people. He still knows. I. We just. I've never. Fascinating. Yeah. And then Barnes, the Memphis defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. is also from Maryland. Same age as us. Matt Barnes grew up like a, the count next county over, but he knows Bush really well because they worked on Florida staff together one year. And he said he told me this week. He I was like, I was talking to him because we know a lot of the same people from Maryland, and. I said, do you know Bush? And he was like, yeah, he's like one of my best friends. So uh, that, it's going to be very uh, – that's an uh, interesting layer dynamic of that game uh, on Saturday. Um, not my part, but actually Matt Barnes and Bush Hamden yeah. are going against each other for the first time as coordinators and they're yes. like good friends. And isn't there like a connection with a um, like a former like uh, colleague of Drinkwitz? Isn't there like a – like a receiver coach that was on his staff, and like they're gonna share film and stuff like that. I was, oh, I'm I was, not sure. There's, there's like that was reading something like, which is like that happens in you know every. It's a good, program, it's a good but, series, and it's one Memphis fans. They're gonna play three more times over the next yeah, six, seven years. I, I thought this would be a conference matchup. I'm not gonna lie. I, when this was announced, like it was announced, <laughs> you know, everything was announced like four or five years. Well, maybe, maybe the one. I think the next they, they play. This year and then not till they go to Boise in like 2026. Like it's not next mm-hmm. year. And then it's I think like 2030 and 2031 is when it. So maybe by 2030 and 2031 they'll be in the same conference. Okay, you've been over to the Lori Walton. Your impressions, okay. early impressions of yeah. what Penny has on that roster. A lot of dudes. It feels like even that was what struck me was like even with DeAndre Williams not we don't know his eligibility right. and Caleb Mills. Not practicing that minor, day. right? We yeah, and they it, we were told he like bumped knees with someone. This in doesn't practice. go back to Dominican Republic. No, no, no. Good. He like bumped knees with someone in practice, and this was like like literally that day Good. or something. Okay. And he it was precautionary. They were just holding him out. Got it. Um, that's what we were told. But he wasn't playing either, and you were just struck by gosh, there's still like it feels like there's just a lot more guys who can go get a shot on this team, like. David Jones was playing with like kind of more of the reserves because he had just gotten there in the last couple days, um, but it was like the reserves won the game, won the little competition in part because like no one could guard David Jones. Like he was hitting these step back jumpers that no one could guard, and it was just like, oh, that guy can just go get a shot whenever he wants. And then Jaquan Walton was on the other team. He was the same way. He was like. Um, and he was playing with Quinterly, and like he was getting a lot of open looks from outside, and yeah. he was. I was impressed with how Walton could create his own shot. And um, and then Quinterly was, you know, I thought looked pretty good. And then the reports are Jalen Young has looked really good. Like him and Quinterly are like, you know, battling out there. Um, and so um, – and, and then Jordan Brown was the type of player – I mean, I don't know if Memphis has had a player like this under Penny – in the post, like Duran, sort of, but Duran, his post game wasn't fully developed when he was here. Jordan, like I, I think Duran is obviously the more talented player. Yeah, 
But you mean in terms of throwing it into him offensively? Yeah, like what he's we can just do in the post? like in terms of like yeah. I, I thought of it when I was watching. I go, there's a bunch of guys on this team where you can go, oh, we'll just give him the ball and he'll go get a shot. Mm-hmm. Like they got and they didn't have that on. They didn't have a lot of those on past as many no, of those. What's on so past crazy? I was just thinking about you saying. Remember when Penny was saying Demario's going to be the third best player, and mm-hmm. you're talking. You know, I mean, just think that that's yeah. night and day difference. And like from right what there, it sounds like like right there, he had it was like David Jones could go get a shot whenever he wanted. Jaquan Walton, Walton could get a shot whenever he wanted, and you could throw it in the post whenever you wanted. And Jordan Brown was going to well, get a shot, and then you go. And we know Mills, Mills can do that. Playing. Yeah, and then mm. um, so I, that was that struck me, well, and then true. just how big they are. Like this is. Again, they might not have the like Jalen Duran is probably still the most physically imposing player Penny's ever had, but in terms of number of dudes who Bunches. are just big because they're older, I think it it goes hand in hand with yeah. they're older. But like David Jones is like every bit what he's listed. Yeah, he like, do. And Jaquan Walton is like pretty tall. Uh, like feels like he's listed six seven. Yeah, he, like yeah. and he feels like he's every bit that. Like he it doesn't feel like it's a fake listing for him. Um, and Jordan Brown. Is you know you got Jordan and Malcolm and Nick Jordan are all like just like physically you know physically developed completely physically developed you know like they're yeah. they're grown men it feels like all three of them in terms of their size it was just like I was struck by how I asked Penny I go is this the biggest team you've had and he was like oh yeah by far like they this is the biggest team they've had so I you know I don't want to draw too much from like they weren't really running anything because like one of the things that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out is that this. While it worked out in terms of he seems to have gotten everyone he wanted, ultimately from the transfer portal, they didn't arrive like he wanted. Like right, he wanted, you know, he like early in June. he he talked about it a lot in in his you know brief uh, interactions with the, with the media after practice. Like guys have just been like kind of there were seven at first, then two more joined, right. and then two more joined after that, and then now two more have joined, and you're still waiting to see what happens with DeAndre and Mike. You know, like. It's clear that is not ideal, and that is, and so like they haven't put in any sets yet. Like they weren't really, you know, they're trying to. I think Penny and and these players are trying to get a feel like who plays well together, like what you know that type sure. of thing right now. Um, but it's certainly, you know, like I don't know if there's anyone as good as Kendrick Davis or DeAndre in that gym. But there's just I I, I just looked at it and go I don't know if any of these guys are ever going to be like in the NBA. But I think like there's a lot of guys who can like make money playing basketball beyond this. You know, they're obviously a, a lot of them are making money right now playing basketball. Absolutely, but um, good money. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of dudes on this team who can after this year go play in Europe. You know, like there's and that if you look, yes, you need a star ultimately in in big moments, but. The best you just teams. Need a college star. You don't need a yeah. NBA like star. the best teams in college basketball. That's yeah. that is a common denominator. It's like how many pros you got. You know. I mean, you kind of. And this team NBA has a lot. Of, I don't know if this team has a lot of NBA guys, but it has a lot of pros. I mean, Jordan Hawkins, but but I mean, he's not going to be an NBA star. He was a lottery pick ish, yeah. but I mean, he was like I don't know if this has a lot. There's not a lottery pick on this team. Probably yeah, it, to me, it's not a prerequisite well, to have that. You know. Let's do this because John and I've sort of been on this, and let's go with. Okay, you don't have DeAndre Williams. Just based on what you saw, and again, we're not drawing huge conclusions yeah. here, but based on what you saw, would you go Jordan Brown five, David Jones four, or would you go a different way in terms of how you're doing five four there? Because it sounds like we, you know, we know Jaquan, we know Caleb, we know Javon Quinterly is going to be out there. What would you do four five if no DeAndre? Well, Just based on the guy on the roster that you saw, I, I think it depends how you can balance 
the egos on the team. I think ideally if you're Penny and you're looking at this from a, you know, you might want to put David Jones in my mind. Ideally, you'd want him to be like the sixth man who plays in crunch time, if that makes sense. I think that that would make the most sense to me. I also don't know if you can pull that off given the egos at play. And so, like, if that's the case, like, I'm thinking about it even because these guys are all getting paid. I'm thinking about it from an NBA perspective almost. Like, it's not the end of the world if David Jones has to start because, like, you've made promises or whatever uh, to get him here. But his, like, just watching it play out in practice, he was, like, again, playing with, like, the second unit. And it was like, oh, like, this is a ball dominant guy. Maybe it's good that he plays not with all these starters because there's a lot of guys who need shot. Like Penny said that. Like what's going to be different about this team is there are a lot of dudes who are proven entities on this team. He's never mm-hmm. like he's never had that before. Like you know, last year he had two proven entities. Right. You know, and like then a this bunch year of he's Elijahs got and Demarias, and it was. Oof. And he said like this might not be as much of a defensive team as previous teams because like I just you know like ultimately, you know. We've got guys who can go get buckets. I know we're going to be able to go get buckets. That's what, it's basically what he said um, yesterday, and um, he's right. Like, there's going to be got. What's going to be interesting is who is going to sacrifice. Whether it's David Jones being a six man, or you know, Jaquan Walton not taking as many shots as he did at Wichita, or David. Jo- certainly, I mean, David Jones took a lot of shots at St. John's. I don't think he's going to get that many at Memphis. Right. You know, Jordan Brown, same thing. He's not going to get as many shots as he did at Louisiana. Like, it's how that all gets figured so out. It it's going like, to be interesting. It sounds like you think, I mean, Jones would be great in that six-man spot. If you did do that, who are you putting at the four next to Jordan Brown? I would personally probably just go yeah, play my five best guys. Like, and so I'd go, I'd go, I think Jones and Walton are big enough with Brown in there. Mm-hmm. Like, you could, you could make do on the boards with those guys. Like, play Walton as a small ball four, Jones at the three, Caleb Mills at the two, and then Quinterly at the one. Yeah. I would do that. I think that's a fine lineup. Yeah. I think you can get away with that, especially in the AAC. Like, Walton's you know, big enough maybe for that. You, maybe, maybe for big games, if there's a matchup-related thing, uh-huh. you go with, you know, if you want to go with Malcolm at the four or you want to go with uh, Jordan at the four, right. someone bigger, maybe you do that. Some matchups. Um, some matchups, but I think you can get away with that. And I, would I think, like Walton at the four. And I think yeah, like a twenty-seven and fifteen down there. I know it was Dominican Republic, but he can rebound Walton, at that size. He will Walton look to rebound. And Jones are the type of dudes who are those two dudes. I think are going to swing this season in the sense, especially if DeAndre isn't available. In that, I think those guys have shown over the course of their college career that they can go off and have huge games. Their problem has been like it. The consistency has not been there during their careers. Like to to to. They do it once every four games, or if once, you know, like, and sure. so the key to that is maybe can you get them more, both more efficient, but also like get them more consistent in terms of their production. Walton seemed like he was nearing a breakthrough on that at the end of his, at the end of his uh, season at Wichita State. Like, if you look at the end of his season, he was playing really well at mm-hmm. the end of the season for Wichita State. Um, now we'll see what you know. He had a pretty tumultuous offseason. Remember, he was supposed to go to Alabama. Yeah, and got, and he uh, got arrested. Down there, he got it? arrested yeah. for you know having there was a gun and it was there was a gun and marijuana. He never actually got charged for the gun. Like he leaked the, whatever. 
Well, they don't charge down there, as you know. You know. Well, yeah, but ultimately Alabama had been through so much, they just no, cut no, bait yeah. right there. Um, but I remember when I first, when I was the beat writer still, and Penny got the job, like Walton was one of the first guys he went after. Mm. And it was honestly like one of the first guys he missed on. Like yep. a guy he like spent considerable amount of time on and didn't get. I think he went to Georgia with Cream. I think like I think yeah. I think Walton was on the Anthony Edwards team at Georgia. I think that's right. Um like he would that was his he was in the same class. Yeah. Um and so I th- I did think it was funny he said the other day like this is the best team I've ever been on and I was like I hope so. You you've been on some bad teams. Exactly. <laughs> I, like, I hope so. What do you uh <laughs> what do you make of uh the recruitment here that they're uh you know trying to to close with Trey Richmond? Um We'll see. I mean, I, I just I find it interesting. Not necessarily from the, the 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 Cal Cal Perry versus Penny aspect, and really not even the the adversarial part. More just the the background of it. These former Cal Perry players at Memphis now their kids. I'm and I'm referencing both Billy Richmond and Dewan Wagner. Um, their kids becoming these high profile recruits that now Cal is still at Kentucky, you know, like it's like the, it's funny how it's like the continuation of this almost like Godfather saga between Calipari and the city and the school of Memphis, you know, the little act, you know, and so that part is fun. But then also, if you look at it from Penny's perspective, it's interesting to me because, you know, he had, other than his guys from East and team Penny, like he's kind of, I don't think he's really been very aggressive locally recruiting over the past few years, and I think it's a reflection of you know what's been you know what's been out there, and also you know I, I don't know the exact reasons, but I do find it interesting that he has very clearly made you know this year he he has determined that yeah, Curtis sure. Givens and Billy Richmond need to be priorities for the University of Memphis, and you know ultimately I don't think I, I will be I will be surprised if he misses out on a kid. He's made a priority. Now, that being said, the vibes seem to be that, you know, Givens, Memphis is in a really good spot, and right. Billy Richmond is up for, gra- you know, is up in the air. And honestly, like a lot of people think, would if they were to say what Billy Richmond was going to choose today before this visit, I think more people would say, more people in the know would say Kentucky. Yeah, John's, would one, say John's one of those. Um, and Thanks. so, but I, I still will be surprised if Penny really if Penny really wants a local kid and a yeah. local kid says no listen it can happen it seems like it's a possibility here i will still be surprised when it happens like i, he I hadn't, he hadn't know, lost any of those right you the, know like the if local he really kid he hadn't lost yet but it? but you know maybe, that he's really wanted i i will say this like it all everything that's happened here in the billy richmond recruitment screams cal is in control of it in that if if Memphis was going to get him, Billy Richmond would be playing high school basketball here in Memphis, I think. And I think the, like it hurts Memphis's chances that he is playing in Camden, New Jersey. With, he played in Camden, New Jersey with Dewan Wagner's son, with Dewan Wagner, who is very clearly like aligned with Calipari. Like that screams like this is, you know, going to be an uphill battle for Penny ultimately because, and he's staying there. Like it's not like it would be like, there were some rumblings this summer in the that he might come back. I was asking, and that he might mom would bring him back home. And hadn't she moved up there now? Or in there yes. a difference too with that? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. They're all in up there. So I think it's going to take, it's going to take a big effort, but that being said, it will be like, it'll be, if Billy Richmond chooses Kentucky, it'll feel like it's the first local kid that Penny really went after hard and didn't get. That's the reality. Because I it don't is. think like it Kennedy Chandler, he didn't like that was, was he stopped. It was weird. He didn't any and, and he was late offering, and he and that wasn't late because he was lazy. Like he he made a conscious decision, right? And offered like he yeah he offered before like Duke and some of the huge schools, but like Tennessee and all the regional SEC schools. No, all, they a, he all, made that decision. They'd already off, like I was mm-hmm. there at Peach Jam when he actually ended up offering, and it was a big deal to Kennedy. And but like ultimately, I don't think he was ever like he was super never this aggressive. aggressive as it's been on these. Two. Yeah, never. I don't think never. he was ever this aggressive recruiting Kennedy Chandler. And so, um, we'll see what happens here. It'll be uh, it's fascinating. Now that being said, I, here's my prediction: both these kids will end up playing for Memphis at some point. At right. some point. Well, his dad <laughs> did the Billy came on back. Billy went to Vandy, came to Memphis. That's right. Yeah, Remember? like. Uh, it's always just a, the it's way, a long the way game. college basketball is. Back home, yeah. Curtis, like Especially now, even easier. No transfer and, penalty. And for honestly, the first given time. given given the way college basketball is now, I would I think both the you have to go in and kind of expecting these guys are going to at least play at two schools these days, mm-hmm. like over the course it. of their you career, the at least. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you don't get them this time, just make sure you're on good terms for the boomerang on the on the you know when they come back around. That's exactly it. Like that's that's it's a long know. game, baby. Remember what Curtis uh, said that Penny just went out of his way to tell uh, CG three, yeah. wherever you go, yeah. that's right. I still got you. I still no support doubt. you.